Blog Talk Radio. of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio, a proud member of BAMS Sports Radio. we got two hours of radio coming up, folks. I'm Kerry Clark, your host from BAMAMag.com. I'm joined by Thomas Watts back in the studio of Tuscan Alabama Magazine and soon to be joined in just a few minutes by Drew DeArmond of AlabamaIntel.com uh, as soon as he wakes up from what I guess is some type of cyber nap. But anyway, uh, we welcome you to call us tonight uh, on the Big Head Barbecue Hotline and give us your thoughts and comments about this weekend's matchup against the Ole Miss Rebels at 2.30 p.m. Central on CBS TV. And that number to call for the Big Head Barbecue BAMS Radio Hotline is 714-510-3707. Our guests tonight include Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South, who will try not to go too far above our heads, even those of us that are 6'4". In hour number one, and in hour number two, we'll be joined by a longtime friend of the show, Rodney Orr of TigerInsider.com. And I think we have actually been graced by the presence of Drew Armand. Am I correct? Yes, you are, Kerry. How are you guys doing, you and Thomas, tonight? Very well. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Just waiting for the Skype to update. Had a little bit of a delay, but on and ready to roll. Yes, we've all been there, the joys of Skype. And also the joys after a ball game of rebooting your computer when you want to write a story and you get about uh, 30 minutes of Windows updates. That's all he's saying. But anyway, Thomas Watts back in the studio. Thomas, uh, we did a little discussion before we came live on the show, and uh, I take it that you think that Bama is probably going to handle Ole Miss pretty well this week. I I certainly do. I think think the big problem is you don't know what Ole Miss has. And that's not a problem for Alabama. It's a problem for Ole Miss because they haven't they haven't been punched in the mouth. If if you call throwing up four turnovers against Memphis getting punched in the mouth or the abortion that was the first half of the Boise State Ole Miss game being punched in the mouth, then Alabama is going to bring a sledgehammer to this. It's I think it's going to be a game. You know, I'll break it down more a little bit later. I think. 24, 27-ish Alabama, 10 to 17-ish Ole Miss, quite honestly. I'm going 24 to 14 myself. Uh, what do you think, Drew? I've got 31-13. I think Alabama, right now. I think I was gonna. I think Alabama's gonna handle business. I'm like Thomas. I watched some of the Memphis game. Thomas and I were communicating, and I was completely unimpressed. Granted, I understand they were overlooking Memphis a little bit. But, you know, again, what Thomas, Thomas is correct in saying, I watched them against Boise State, watched them against Memphis, 
uh, they were, weren't very impressive against two of the, and that's probably the two best teams they've played. Uh, I granted they're going to need their best effort, and Alabama will get their best shot. But I think Alabama's rested. I think they're going to be ready. And as per usual with Ole Miss, they can't shut their traps. And uh, and uh, motivation is always nice. Yeah, Cody Pruitt is not exactly an Einstein. After what Bo Wallace did last year, you'd think they'd learn. But uh, our players seem to kind of just laugh it off. Uh, it's like they almost expect it now from Ole Miss, Drew. Well, they do. And, they, and then they've been through this before. Uh, game day, Super Bowl, red out you know, whatever kind of gimmick Ole Miss. Next thing you know, they'll probably bring out a special helmet Saturday. It doesn't really matter to Alabama. They're going to let their helmets do the talking, and they're going to have their helmets in the sternum of the Ole Miss players. You know what? Talking about helmets, Drew, I I didn't see the whole Memphis game. It was painful to even hear it on satellite for a few minutes. But what highlights I did see, they normally have a helmet that's kind of a, a navy blue, but they have like these Carolina powder blue type Ole Miss helmets on this past Saturday. And in my opinion, that kind of looks like crap. Yeah, and I'll let Thomas finish his thought in a second. But what happened there, Kerry, they were supposed to have the Navy helmets with a Chucky Mullins 38 on them, but it was an NCAA violation. Okay. So they had to go with their throwback helmets to the Billy Brewer era. Go ahead, Thomas. No, that's what I was going to ask, what what your opinion was of the, the powder blue. But there you go. Garbage. Uh, dried up dog poop. Uh, but anyway, I guess uh, now I've heard tell. I guess they'll go back to the navy blue helmets this week. But I've heard tell they might be considering red pants and red jerseys this week, which would be oh, kind of, uh, you know, those kind of promotions work so well against Alabama. That's not confirmed. It's just a Twitter rumor right now. Not even internet Twitter rumor. But uh, if uh, they do come out with the with the navy helmets, the red pants, and the red shirts, and some type of effort to, uh, I don't know, red out. Uh, Alabama, <laughs> uh, you know that, that, those things work so well against us. Going back to Athens back in o in o uh, nine and things or o eight rather, um, <laughs> these other teams they just don't get it. Now look, I, I'll give Ole Miss all the credit in the world. They have a great defense, by far the best defense Alabama's faced. Okay. Maybe the best, maybe the best defense Alabama will play all year. That being said, uh, you know, number one. Throw out your silly gimmicks. Number two, shut your mouth, strap them up because the varsity's coming to town. Well, and I agree. They haven't seen anything like Alabama's offense, not anywhere close. Uh, and Alabama's defense has been getting better every game, Kerry. And Alabama, I felt like Alabama, you know, kind of took Ole Miss a little bit lightly two years ago, and they kind of took it to us physically, even though Alabama still won that game pretty easily in 2012 because they shut down Ole Miss's offense, and Amari Cooper had his coming out party as a freshman. But uh, and they got they had a, that little flurry at the end of half to get up 28-7, to and it was pretty much over. But, and again, they shut down their offense last year. I know they're going to empty the kitchen sink, but I just think Bo Wallace is who, is who he is. He's a pretty decent quarterback, but I don't think he's anything special. I think he's a little bit better than Driscoll. And then the biggest thing is, unlike, and I think, Thomas is going to agree with me on this. He can chime in. But unlike Florida with Matt Jones and Kelvin Taylor and, uh, you know, Mac Brown, I don't see the Ole Miss. I don't fear their running game. I don't fear Octavius Mathers. I saw him play in high school at Blackman in Murfreesboro against Bob Jones. He's a pretty good back. And then the kid Walton, who's a little scat back. I don't think Alabama's going to be intimidated at all by their running game. Do they call Octavius the bees? <laughs> Gary Mathers? No? Okay. Oh, sorry. Period joke. 
Uh, leave it to Beaver was the guy was played by Jerry. Oh yeah, but anyway, um, uh, you know, I, I don't really fear their running game that much. But you have to admit, uh, all of us with any kind of a football mind at all, even those of us that don't know what an eleven technique is, uh, know that Laquan Treadwell can ball. Oh, Laquan Treadwell is their best offensive player. Uh, he's I a future NFL far. guy. Uh, Cody Core is a good receiver, carry a good complementary part. Uh, they're, they're receivers. They've got some good wide – Vincent Sanders is a kid that Alabama recruited a little bit. He's more of a possession-type guy, but he can play. I mean, they've got they've got some receivers. Right? And then Evan Ingram is a good tight end. Yeah. Uh, Landon Collins is probably going to have to kind of account for him at times. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. They have good receiving options, and I think they're going to throw to set up a run. Alabama's secondary is going to have to be ready, and then the pass rush is going to have to keep improving like it has been. I do expect Ole Miss to move the ball some, Kerry, but where I think Alabama will can separate themselves, I think Alabama will play well in the red zone and make Ole Miss settle for some field goal attempts. And as we saw last week against Memphis, uh, that's a little bit shaky. I think Tony Brown is going to do some 11 technique corner blitzes on uh, on Bo this week. We'll see. I mean, I they, you know that's the thing. Uh, Ole Miss is, is talking about well, you know, we had to, we finally got the uh, Memphis game out of the way. Going to try to, they're going to have be doing things that Alabama hasn't seen. Well, so is Alabama, both offensively and defensively. And I oh, think there's no telling what. And and I, you know, and and the one key thing is Blake Sims is healthy. No structural damage to the shoulder. Uh, has had a good week and a half to heal up. And the, and a good a great thing about it is, and I, I mentioned this on the show, and then Will Muschamp admitted it after the game. I still don't think Ole Miss is going to be ready for his mobility, and I think it's going to surprise them. Really curious to know what, if anything, Alabama's going to get Saturday out of DeAndre White. Yeah, I, you know, according to what we've been told, uh, you know, and, you know, what Amari Cooper told them in the media, uh, you know, DeAndre practiced today. Um, he was supposed to be back. Uh, say, Coach Saban had said he would have some sort of role in the game. I'm not sure how many snaps he will play. Uh, but he had another nice week and a half of rest with his foot, foot, ankle, slash ankle, and uh, with his shoulder. I think he'll play. We'll see how many snaps. But the good thing is, Kerry, I don't think there's a lack of talent at receiver for Alabama. It gives a guy like Chris Black a chance to make some plays. You know, I, here's my whole thing about that. There have been some of them complaining in the past about touches. Well, you're going to have a chance on the road to, to step up in a big environment. Chris Black has talent. Our Darius Stewart has talent, and uh, I think, uh, we, and then obviously uh, Christian Jones is a veteran. So I think, and he had to have some, uh, had to have his left foot taped yesterday, but I, think, I believe he's okay. But so I think Alabama's going to have some weapons, and and until somebody stops him, Amari Cooper's going to make plays. And so hopefully, you know, and then you know they've been talking about Evan Ingram a bunch. Maybe we'll see an even more involved OJ Howard. Maybe in memory of 2011, uh, after Amari catches a screen press, uh, maybe he can bury Sinclair's Golson's jock about midfield before he runs around. Just in memory of what Trent did to him. Yeah, if he plays, Golson's a little banged up. We'll see. He'll probably go, but I don't think it's 100% known yet if he's going to try to if he's going to be in the lineup. Yeah, and another thing about D. White, uh, you know, he is arguably. You know, Christian Jones would tell you at Tim. But a lot of people feel like D. White is the best uh, stalk blocking, run blocking wide receiver that Alabama has. Yeah, I, I would, I would, I think he's very good. I think Christian Jones is also very good. Uh, he's always been a good blocker, but 
for whatever reason, Christian hasn't done much as a receiver yet. Maybe Not this year. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully he can have a little bit of a breakout game if they start trying to shade Amari uh, Cooper with two guys. But the one thing you're gonna we're gonna uh, be able to see though is unlike the previous offensive coordinator who's about to get canned at Michigan, uh, the, the Alabama's offensive coordinator now is going to be very creative and move Amari Cooper around. So I still think Amari will get his touches. They'll find a way to get the ball to him. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, right. <laughs> it, I mean. <laughs> Well, if it's, you know, three reverses, perhaps, he'll get the ball, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I hope they start cheating up on that screen pass and then do a little pump and go. That'd be pretty funny. But uh, you're right. If they start cheating the safety over on Amari, there's absolutely no reason that O.J. can't have his long-awaited breakout game. There's no reason that Christian Jones or, or Chris Black or Andrew White or whoever. Hey, even Cam Sims uh, could even have a couple catches this week if they really cheat and put two on Amari. Well, Alabama, there's no shortage of talent. It's just, you know, past that first rotation, there's a little shortage of experience in our receiver core. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And that's the only thing you kind of worry about is – is uh, but I think that it's time for some veterans to step up, and I think they will. I feel pretty good about it. And don't forget, Kerry, last week I, we predicted it, and I predicted again because I think that's the, the way the offense is moving to. But I think all three of the top of the trio of – Running backs, Thunder, Lightning, and and uh, and Crazy Legs are going to be involved in the passing game. You gotta love that Thunder, Lightning, and Crazy Legs. Lord have mercy. Did you happen to catch uh, Mark Burnett's practice report today, True? I I, I did I did look at it cursorily, but I haven't read it yet. Uh, the funniest part in there is uh, when Amari has a very rare drop. And Lane Kiffin uh, gets on him because Cam Sims runs the same route, Vlad Ramari, and catches the ball. Cam Sims uh, is – All right, you're back live. Sorry. We're back live. I'm sorry for that, that brief brain fart. What I was doing was uh, I was telling a story about uh, that Mark Burnett of the Anderson Star. Right. He had a drop. His practice report. Amari had a very rare drop, and then the next guy up was Cam Sims. And Kiffin said, uh, you need to watch uh, – uh, the freshman's hand placement there, Amari. Uh, maybe, maybe you wouldn't drop that ball. <laughs> Knowing that Amari backed like nine ninety on balls that hit his hand, I, I would say in the, the three years he was there, Julio batted about eight fifty. So uh, you got to give it to Amari. Guy's got some hands. He just had a very rare. Everybody oh, yeah. plays receiver knows you're going to have a drop every now and then. It's just in practice. I remember Tommy D's used to uh, back when the entire practice was open. Uh, Tommy D's of the team U's used to rant and rave about all the drops Tyrone Protho had, but you didn't see the boy drop too many in the ball game. If he did drop it, you know, yeah. Sprinkle, Sprinkle would, would uh, crucify him on Tyler Insider. But other than that, he, he rarely ever had a drop by Tyrone Protho. Uh, some people are gamers, but again, you know, the uh, the situation today with Amari was just basically it was just Lane Kiffin trying to be funny and pump a freshman up a little bit. But I, guy, I, I'm really excited about about you know Cam Sims getting getting an opportunity to maybe showcase himself a little bit more this week uh, if they do cheat a safety over on Amari. But, uh, Drew, we are now joined by our first guest of the evening tonight here on Bams Radio. Uh, he has been connected to us via the Big Head Barbecue hotline, as so many others have. Why don't you go ahead and introduce him, Drew? Absolutely. He'll be a second appearance on Bams. He, he provided everybody with an education when he was here the last time. Uh, he's what I call a film rat, and that is a good term, but that is Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South. He does a great job of breaking down the SEC and Alabama. 
and even a little pro football if you got any questions about that. But anyway, Murph, man, we're glad to have you back, and I'm sure you're fired up for this weekend of football. It's going to be epic, man. Oh, you wouldn't believe. I am so pumped up. Kerry, what's going on, man? Uh, they asked me to change my uniform number in uh, Church City basketball from 21 to 11 after my technique uh, education fees. Uh, oh, okay. I kept 21. <laughs> uh, 21 was my uh, I called up for some 11 technique corner bits. <laughs> An 11 technique, man, that would be – you talk about spreading a defensive end far, he'd be darn near on the sideline trying to rush. <laughs> from no, no, I, want, I want it to be the corner blitz, man. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Tony <laughs> Brown catching, catching bow on the blind side. Oh God! Well, Mark, first of all, first I just want to ask you, man. I know you've been, as usual, you've been breaking down film and everything. And so, uh, first I will give you, what are your thoughts on the Ole Miss defense? Obviously, it's going to be the best Alabama space. What have you seen on film that really stands out to you? Well, uh, this one I, I can't wait for, you know. I might catch a little flack from Bama Nation with this and everything like that, but I wrote an article um, about a month ago back, and I said that Ole Miss's defense was the most talented defense in the SEC. And that was strictly on 11 starters, you know. Um, what I think what separates Bama apart is their, uh, uh, their next 11 could probably be the third or fourth best defense in the SEC as well. <laughs> but just strictly on 11 starters, I think – in a combination of scheme and personnel, I don't think it gets much better than Ole Miss. They're, they're coming with some guys, some real franchise-type guys we're going to see in the NFL that are going to be dominating, and they have like four or five of them. Right. Who's, who, are the, who are those four or five that you really are, really stand out to you for the Reds? Uh, the first guy that stands out to me is the guy that I wrote about today, uh, Cody Pruitt. And, um, right. Once again, and we know I said him that well he was now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so does Christian Jones, huh? Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, he he first and foremost stands out. I believe that he could be a possibly a top ten pick if you go by his size and his range and his tackling ability and his um, wherewithal as far as coverage goes. He's definitely one of those. I, I compared him to Sean Taylor. Uh, he looks just like that wow. on the field, man. He's a rangy guy, and he's one of the hardest hitting dudes I've I've ever seen, man. And and just as just as you can play him as an in the box safety, you can make him a single high safety and a cover one scheme, and he would dominate just playing back fifteen yards off the ball, just just playing center field. He, I mean, he's that good. And him and Landon Collins are, are pretty much equals. But of course, I have to give the nod to Pruitt right now, just because he's been doing it longer and he has more skins on the wall. You know, he let the SEC in interceptions last year. But um, he he, he stands out first and foremost. And then I would go to um, I like their guy who plays the Husky position over there. His name's Tony Connor. He was a big recruit for them, I believe, oh, yeah. uh, last year in that big recruiting class. And um, they got him playing that kind of a mix of a linebacker, safety kind of thing. And he's like, what, 225, 230 pounds playing a, pretty much a slot corner. Uh, it's crazy to have somebody like that. I mean, it just the your perimeter run game is just set, you know. If you're going to be running at that guy and he's strong enough to press at the line, and he's strong enough to defeat. Uh, he's quick enough to, um, to stay with a lot of slot corners as well, but it just makes their um, run defense on the perimeter that much better if you're trying to um, get around him instead of a normal dime defensive back. Um, I like uh, Denzel Kimdichie. Um I, I like them. They come from right around the corner where I'm from, so I watch his whole career, him and his brother. 
um, at Grayson High School. And he plays in the yeah. stinger position, which is a outside linebacker in their scheme. And um, he's a little dude. They usually put little um, smaller guys in that particular position um, just for the fact that they like to blitz these guys and um, they like to send him on a um, – like the third person on the tackle in exchange and send him up the gut. And, um, of course, he he can play that shallow zone really well because he's, he's going to be quicker than the average linebacker. Uh, Robert Kandigji, um, I think he's a, he's a force to be reckoned with. They were kind of playing him out of position last year at the defensive end at a, uh, more of a six or seven technique. Uh, there you go, Kerry. <laughs> and um, hmm. now they're playing him more at a three technique, let him just one guy penetrate. And, um, Sometimes they play him at the one technique, a shaded over the nose, or a straight-up zero technique, and just let him um, fill gaps or um, hold up blocks and then uh, choose whatever gap he wants to gap. So um, he's a fantastic player. Of course, he was the number one player in the nation last year. And um, I like the corners, too. They're little guys, but they're they're very feisty. And um, everybody on that defense is a tackler. You know, it's like uh, their particular scheme, since it's defensive back um, driven, he, he recruits tacklers more than he recruits um, big time speed guys. So it's it's hard to run on the edge on them. And um, and they might be a little bit better at tackling in the short game. Say um, it's hard to tackle on Amari Cooper, but if anybody can give it the best effort would be, uh, I think, this Ole Miss defense. Wow. That's some, some good stuff right there, man. I, I think they're very talented as well. I do think it's, is I've watched everybody in the league a little bit, and uh, they—I know they haven't put a great schedule thus far, but they've put up the best defensive numbers by far. I think Alabama's coming into their own, but I think Ole Miss, to this point, has put up the most uh, has put up the most impressive stats defensively. I know they only gave up 104 yards. Yeah, they only gave up 104 yards in Memphis last week. So, and Memphis dropped 35 on UCLA, so they have a pretty good offensive team, and they they shut them down pretty well, but. I, uh, I, I, my, I guess my, my next question for you is is the other side of the ball. I, I'm not really impressed with Ole Miss offensively all that much. I still think their O-line kind of lacks physicality, especially when it, I think it's an advantageous matchup for Alabama offense, I mean, excuse me, defensively. Uh, what are you thinking about how the Ole Miss offense matches up with Alabama? Well, answer this question first, Drew. If you're talking about an advantageous matchup, are you referring to the interior of Ole Miss's offensive line? Well, I, I, just their offensive line as a whole. I think the tackles are a little soft. I think their interior is a little questionable. Hold on, questionable. you think Laramie Tunzel is soft? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on Laramie yet. I think he's a good. I think he's an up and coming kid, but I'm not sure that he's gonna. He, he's he's a, he's super physical. I think he's a pretty good pass protector, but I'm not. I'm not sold on him yet as, a, as an all around left tackle. Oh, okay. Well, the thing about that is, is they don't have a interior presence as far as a uh, between the tackles run game so right. I, I think that when you're in practice and you're going against a perimeter run game each day I mean if you're um if you're practicing in the perimeter run game and you just know you're not going to have much success on the interior of the line maybe that could possibly make you a little bit more finesse I'm not sure if I would call them soft but probably a little bit more right. finesse although um I don't know. I guess me and you probably saying a little bit different on. Um, I can I can see what you're saying about Larry Mutonzo, but I think he's he's extremely talented. I think he's one of those guys that we can see as a top ten pick here in a few years. Um, oh, I mean, I think you know, he's a future pro, but I mean, he came out as one of the top two to three tackles in the country. But I still think he's got some maturing to do. I think actually, 
as a freshman, Alabama's left tackle a lot further ahead than Tunsil was a year ago. But, of course, now they're one sophomore, one's a freshman. But I think Tunsil is probably their best tackle, but I still am not. I guess as, I'm, I'm, I'm going more as a unit. I'm, I've been watching a little bit of – I saw they gave up some sacks last week. Bo Wallace turned the ball over some. I'm just – I don't know. I think it's going to end up hurting them if they don't have an interior – that their best interior running threat is really Bo Wallace. And as you and I know, I think you'd agree with me here, He's kind of like uh, Driscoll, but he's not as good an athlete as Driscoll. No, he's not nowhere near the athlete as Driscoll. But the thing yeah. about him is, he seems like he he will take off and run. Though he he has he he's as he's more apt to run than Driscoll is. I think Driscoll wants to sit in the pocket, but he will take off and run. And he's a he's a decent athlete. But the thing about their scheme is, it's like their scheme is a little weird. You can't re- you don't really know if it's a it's a horizontal scheme or a vertical scheme. So it, it kind of transforms itself. Like when they came out against in the game last week, it's like they were more of a, of a vertical offense. And I think that if they go the vertical route, that they can probably give Alabama a little bit of a game because, um, at the I mean, at the very Laquan Treadwell, that dude is a beast, man. He's not quite Amari Cooper yet, but when Amari oh, he, Cooper he, he, is he, gone, right. he may be very well be the best yeah. receiver in the SEC. And um, and they don't have to do much to get him the ball. So if they go to more of their horizontal attack. I think trying to tackle this guy off short slants, hitches, and, and plays like that will be kind of tough on a um, on a Tony Brown. You know, I'm not up on like like you are as far as the injury report goes because I have to do so yeah. many different things than just concentrate oh, yeah, on Bama yeah. now. So is Eddie Jackson is is he going to play? He will. I, from what I understand, he will see some snaps, uh, Murph. But uh, Tony Brown has been told he will start. Uh, he will start make make his make his second straight SEC start first road start of his career. He, I thought he played pretty well, especially for a true freshman against Florida. I thought he played fast, and uh, I thought he was physical. It's going to be interesting to see how he does against a, a talented old man. Cody Core is also a good receiver. So I think Eddie sure. will see some snaps more than likely, but he's not going to start, and your other starter will obviously be Cyrus Jones. Yeah, so that's the case. I love Tony Brown. Of course, he's one of my favorite players. But Laquan Treadwell, trying to tackle that guy. I mean, he's a two. Uh, watching him right now, and he he took the skinny post right here um, to the house. But trying to tackle a 230-pound guy like that off of the line of scrimmage, man, it's going to be like trying to tackle a young Terrell Owens. So yeah. I mean, that could give Bama fits. And if you're trying to play up on him, um, he's tall enough to go up and get the ball as well. And he's a he's a great high pointer of the ball. And um, and yeah, but the thing is going to be is. Can Alabama get organic pressure, or do mm-hmm. they have to go to their fabricated pressure scheme? Because to me, if they have to go to the fabricated pressure scheme, then we'll we'll see if what people think as the Achilles heel to the Alabama defense being the secondary, if it can hold up against a, a pretty good wide receiver corps and um and Ole Miss with like you said, Core and Treadwell and even a uh, tight end's pretty decent. Yeah. So um. That's just the thing. They won't have an interior run game, but they couldn't have a great vertical stretch game depending on how that offensive line performs. Martha, speaking of pressure, we have a question for you from our BAMSradio.com chat room. Uh, the question is, watching the Memphis game, they had a lot of success with A-gap blitzing. Is that something that Alabama can use to their advantage Saturday? Yes, definitely. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, I think Bama has the very best fabricated pressure game in the SEC. Um, if you saw against Florida, they did a lot of the tackle in exchanges, and but from those tackle in exchanges, they can always send a third guy and send him up the gut. 
But the thing about that is I saw one, um, I forget who was playing safety back there, but um, he got sucked up into the play or, or um, his, his eyes, he had some bad eye discipline, and he was sucked up into the play and it just let, left the, um, the X receiver wide open. Um, I believe they can definitely have pressure with the A-gap. Like I said before, I think the interior of Ole Miss's line isn't very good, and um, you definitely want to scheme guys like that up. I mean, you can get organic pressure, but sometimes guys, when they're not good, they're already, they're gonna, their heads are going to be spinning 100 miles per hour. So that's when you probably would want, would want to send interior pressure like that. So I think they they could definitely have success with A and B gap blitzes and fabricated pressure scheme. Yeah, no doubt. And I think I, I, I do think it's going to be a good matchup for Alabama in that regard. And then you know when you talk when you think about it, uh, you know the kicking game could play a big part in the game. I think you know. Uh, Christian Jones has been there, done that as a returner. He hadn't had a breakout game yet. Maybe it'll come this week in Oxford. Uh, you know, I, I know Ole Miss has struggled there on in special teams a little bit, and they struggled at kicker last week. And then, you know, their place kicker is also ejected. Um, uh, I don't know if they've appealed that. I don't know. I haven't really followed that situation, but that could also play a factor in the game. But uh, I, I wondered, you know, Murph, as far as Alabama offensively, uh, what is Alabama going to have to do in your mind to be able to move the football against Ole Miss? Because it could be some tough sledding at times. Yeah, it definitely will be tough. But I think that, hmm, yeah, it's, that's a tough one. That's the one I struggle with the most. Um, they're pretty solid, pretty much in all aspects. They're 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 great up front. They have they have good corners, and then they have Cody Pruitt on the back end, who also acts just like Landon Collins when they move him up to the line of scrimmage. He, he tackles well in space. So um, I wonder if their best bet might be going to their their zone blocking scheme and, and doing a lot of more of their um, their stretch runs. I think Derrick right. Henry is a flat-out beast in, in, his, in the perimeter run game. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks of him as some big bruiser, Ty Gurley kind of guy, but he's more of a Arian Foster stretch more finesse kind of guy and if you saw um against florida every time they went to that stretch game man it was just like he he knew the cutback lanes and he could feel the cutback lanes man and he was just gassing them 10 yards here 12 yeah, yards I, here and i Go know ahead. you 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 wrote a great article on, uh, about derrick henry on alabama intel and drew with us and i wanted to ask you about that because i i buy knocked every play against florida and the thing that struck me about the running backs was i felt like henry had the best vision of all three of them, and uh, as you as you just got through saying, he he saw the cutback lanes really effectively. And the thing that's surprising about Derek being six three and about two forty, he still has great agility and can make guys miss. Because as you saw on that twenty three yard, uh, our second, third, and twenty three screen that he took about twenty nine yards uh, over thirty yards on the play, he made three guys miss in space, which for a big man is a rare gift. Yeah, his short area agility is just uncanny, man. He's he's a special player. Um, I I think he does have the best vision, or put it this way, I think he's he's um equal to Yeldon as far as vision. I believe Yeldon has yeah. some, um a substantial amount of vision as well. I just think the zone blocking scheme works well for him, and he's very used to it. Um, when I watched right. him play in uh, high school, when he came here and played uh, Buford, when Yuli came to play Buford, and Dylan Lee was on the team on the Buford team. 
um, they ran a lot of zone plays, and he ran a lot of zone stretch plays even out of the wildcat position. So I just think that he understands cutback lanes in the zone. I think Yeldon is pretty good at that, but I think Yeldon will be more apt to be in a, a man-blocking scheme where he can kind of be a little bit more patient and just really hit, hit, really hit it really hard. So um, I think he's scheme versatile. He can play in a zone. Obviously, we've seen him. He's over 1,000 yards twice in a um, zone-based scheme. But I just think Henry just has the best vision as far as cutback lanes in a zone blocking scheme. I won't say he has a better vision than Yeldon, but it's probably equal. And um, Drake, too. Drake has good vision. All those backs have good vision, man. They're all special. They all could be superstars in their own right. If, if Drake was somewhere else on another team, he would be a superstar just like Yeldon and, and Henry as well. But it's just <laughs> just the way the ball bounces. But um, they're going to want to get to that and see if they can start gashing those guys. The Ole Miss has a, a smaller defense um, just because it's more defensive back-centric and they're running that 4-2-5 scheme. So a lot of their guys are a little bit smaller, but they're quicker. But you want to get guys like that that are quick and get them flowing one way and then cut it back on them. So if they're able to do that, I can see them having some big-time success in that. But as far as just trying to push those guys up front with Kim Dietschy and those guys they have there, uh, it might it could end up being a stalemate up front like that, but I can definitely see them having success in the run game. Well, Murph, uh, it's hard to disparage a unit that puts up 672 offensive yards against the Will Muschamp coach Florida team that had some decent athletes, but that being said, our uh, hundreds of thousands of internet coaches for Alabama have decided after viewing film of the first four games that they don't feel Leon Brown should be starting at right guard. Uh, when you watch the Alabama offensive line individually and as a group, do you understand why he's starting other than being a senior? Um, I think people just probably just want to have something to chew on, you know, because when it first started, it was like, uh, is Lane Kiffin going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to still run the ball? Does, does he know how to run the ball? Um, is he going to be able to get the get the, get the the ball to our, our people? Then they got to chew on the O.J. Howard thing and um, – now I guess it's Leon Brown. Um, I understand why he's starting. I think he's an athletic guy. Um, but like you said, man, it might be a little seniority in that. Sometimes I really don't understand how they how they they choose starters in certain ways. To me, it's, it's very close in their in their battle. So um, I might give it to seniority, but I don't think he's a bad player. I mean, where can you really just pinpoint something to say like, oh man, just get this guy out of here. He's just being dominated. Well, I, 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 you see, he seems to, and maybe we just don't understand his schemes, but he seems to miss a lot of blocks. Uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, you got you got to know the scheme. Sometimes, sometimes they give you what you call whiff blocks. You know, what I mean, sometimes you're not supposed to block somebody all the way. Sometimes you want them to get upfield and get pressure. You just want to kind of slightly block them. You want. He's we just don't know down. when they're doing those things. He's, he's say got that, that down. Oh, he's, yeah, he got the whip block down. He got that down, man. That's what I'm Yeah, that's what it is, man. Sometimes it's probably switching back in between concepts, you know. They they have been running a lot of man-blocking concepts, and they and they switch back and forth from zone. I just think that um, they probably just want to have that 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 experience going down the stretch and when you're getting really into the meat of the play, which you're starting right now. So, I don't know. I think that uh, it's hard for me to say that Mario doesn't, doesn't know what he's talking about. I think he's a he's a great offensive coach, great recruiter too. So 
I'll just have to trust with what he's what whatever he's selling. <laughs> I'm drinking a Kool Aid of Mario Cristobal. That's fair enough. Uh, you just have to wonder, or at least I do, what would have happened had uh, Dominic Jackson not been injured in the preseason. I guess we'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he's if he's struggling, they'll get him out of there. If they they really truly think he's struggling, because you think about what their film sessions look like. If you talk about the hundred thousand uh, internet coaches, imagine what their film sessions are looking like. Man, they're going over to all twenty two, and it's just focused on on Brown. So if they if they feel that he's good enough to keep starting, maybe he's doing something that I mean we're not we're not seeing, or maybe we're overthinking it, or maybe the scheme's just a little different than we may think. I'm gonna go with that latter one. <laughs> Did you go on bike there? I guess he did. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, uh, you know, getting back to the game this Saturday, uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, Murph, but uh, and Drew and I were kind of ripping on it before you came on. Let's say that Ole Miss decides to uh, to cheat his safety over to help one of those uh, smaller corners out with Amari. Uh, would that be a sign that O.J. Howard might have a breakout game this week? That was funny. That was the exact point that I was making on the show that I was on right before I came on yours. Um, of course, we saved the best show for last. But, um, yes, I, I think they, they cannot afford to to have to bracket Amari Cooper. They can't because a lot of their um, their players are smaller anyway. So, O.J. Howard would have a field day on those on those smaller guys, on the smaller guys that they have at linebacker. You wouldn't want to have a five foot eleven Denzel Kandichi having a guard O.J. Howard. But if they were to have to to um, have Pruitt move over to um, and cheat towards Cooper's side, and then how can you cheat toward Cooper's side? I think Lane does a great job at um, at moving Cooper around too. So that's one thing. He's not just playing the Z. I mean, he's playing he's playing in the slot. He's playing in the X. So you would really have to scheme it up to where he's moving around like that. And then once you start moving your safeties around like that, a person like Lane Kiffin's going to know exactly how to attack that because you're pretty much showing your hand. So they're going to need Golson and Hilton to be able to play Cooper straight up and they can stay in their two-deep package or um, or continue to play their their cover one. What they want to do at the very least is they have to move Pruitt somewhere and move him toward the box and maybe have him assist in the run game and have him play shallow zone. So maybe he could assist on an O.J. Howard. But we still got to see O.J. Howard get more than, what, two or three catches in a game. So I would like to see him get targeted ten times and just blow everybody's mind. And, you know, they're probably not working on that. They're probably thinking, like, um, he's just not a part of their plans right now. So but they came out just targeting him like that. Imagine what that would do. That would that would just scramble them. Sometimes it's just about tendency breaking, you know. It's like when they were doing the short passes and they came out in the stretch vertical game against Florida. It was just like eye opening. It was like, oh wow, we weren't really practicing for this. So they can't be practicing for OJ Howard to go nuts on them. So I would I would definitely make OJ a focal point. And if you're thinking that they were saving him for something, to me this would be the game that they were saving him for. Yeah, I agree, Murph. I'm back. Sorry, guys. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I I think OJ could have a breakout game because they may try to overcompensate for Amari. And then I was and I said I think right before you came on, Murph, I still think he only got one touch last week in the passing game. But I still think Kenyon Drake 
could end up being a huge difference maker as far as his explosiveness because if they put him out wide or put him in the slot, he's going to be somebody else that Ole Miss is going to have to match up with, and he's just got ex- explosive ability. Yes, man, that's crazy. That's like I remember uh, comparing him to Reggie Bush just by looking on film, and I'm like, he's about the same size, and he has hands like that. But, man, he can just like I always thought, like, man, Reggie Bush would be a complete terror if they moved him to, like, a slot receiver, you know, spade to get him the ball like that in space over some slot corner that you know can't ca- tackle him. Same thing with King and Drake, man. I would try to get him on the field as much as I can and maybe put him at slot receiver a lot more. I know he can run the stretch vertical stuff, but he can't be tackled in the short area. So imagine if you were to throw the um, the flare-out screens to him from from a receiver position. Imagine well, like, how, how you can move the chains with that. We hadn't talked to you since the Florida game, but I'm not going to lie. When the, when they came out in the first formation to start the game, I turned to the, the young lady I was sitting next to, and I said, uh, I, I sure wish they would throw deep to, to Kenyon on the first play. Cause, uh, I, I, looked, I, saw, I saw a linebacker matched up with him, and I was like, oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I saw him run the route, and I was like, he is gone. All they got to do is Go get him the football, and he blew their doors Go. in. That linebacker bit yeah. so hard, man. <laughs> That was all he had to do was make the catch, and it was effort. It was effortless for him, man. He's a special talent. They need to, they got to get him on the field a lot more, man. I know they just want to get him on the field at running back, but they should really think about having him play a little bit more receiver. I agree, uh, Murph. We do have another question uh, from our chat room for you. Uh, is there a team you can compare Ole Miss's defense to? Uh, either another team outbound plays or a team from the past? Hmm. Um, uh, a lot of the schemes from um, uh, Chavis uh, LSU, um, they had do a lot of six defensive backs, but those are more um, defensive backs. So you, if you can imagine that scheme with um, all the defensive backs, but imagine a little bit bigger, <laughs> a little bit bigger guys playing on closer to the interior with the slot. I would compare it to that because it's still an even front alignment up front. So um, sometimes. Uh, Chavis would go with the three, but he would um with the three man front, but he would uh, move it down and have a um, even front alignment with it. So you're gonna see the four, you're gonna see four down linemen, you're gonna see one true linebacker, uh, DT Shackelford, and then you're gonna see a, just a, a host of defensive backs and linebackers, kind of a mix, a mix between the two. So the closest I would say is probably LSU. Another question from the chat room, not to put you on the spot or anything, but they'd like to know, in your opinion, who is the best team in college football right now as we speak? Best team in college football right now. Um, uh, man, that's a, that's a tough one there because it's coming to you. Well, I, I guess about I, Florida State. I'll make it Go easy ahead. for you. Florida State is not an option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Florida State is definitely not an option. That's why I was about to rule them out. And then I was going to um, – coming into the year, I thought Michigan State because I love their defense. You know what? I'm going to have to go with Oklahoma. I like their defense. I like I like the way the pressure they bring, and they showed me a lot against Tennessee. They have some serious organic pressure. They don't have to do much to get to get pressure. And if that quarterback is playing the way he continues to play, I would say them. And they found like three or four running backs. They have um, – I forget what the kid's name is, but – uh, he's nasty, man. They have like three or four guys that can run the ball. They have a nasty defense. Uh, I would say probably Oklahoma. But, I mean, Alabama. Is it Oklahoma or Alabama? And maybe Oregon. I, I, got a, 
I got a question then, Murph. I, what what do you? I, well, I want to. I know you we're basically breaking down uh, the Alabama Ole Miss game. But before we ask you who you like in the game, I, I have to. There's so many good matchups. I want to ask you about a couple of more. Who do you? What do you think of Texas A&M and uh, Mississippi State, and then also LSU and Auburn? All right, um, State A&M. Man, I think that's that's awesome. Though. The way I feel about Mississippi is kind of how I feel about Mississippi State. I think that that whole state, the Magnolia State, is it's about as good as it gets right now. If you talk about some schemes, man, Jeff Collins, I love his scheme too at Mississippi State. And just as a defensive front, I think the front four or whatever like that, they they may have the nastiest group there is. Like all those guys are just some big, big nasty dudes, you know. Um, the thing about them is, well, they discovered kind of a run game with Josh Robinson. I always thought about them. I was like, man, Dak Prescott can't be the only guy running the ball. But Robinson came out, man, he looked really good running the ball. If they can keep that going, you saw what Arkansas did to Texas A&M. I had actually picked Arkansas to win that game, and I was looking like a genius for a second there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I think that defense is a lot nastier than Arkansas's, and they can do a lot of the same thing Arkansas did on the ground. So I think um, I think State can beat Texas A&M. I really do. So you like, so you like State. So obviously, you know, LSU's made the quarterback change to Harris. Do you think a true freshman can go into Auburn and win? And who do you like in that matchup? Hey, it's a tough one. Um, I was actually working on the Brandon Harris article for tomorrow. Um, uh, man, that's tough because one thing that I noticed about LSU is that they were struggling to stop the run. And if you're struggling to stop the mm-hmm. run, you definitely don't want to do it against Auburn. <laughs> because oh, yeah. They're going to run at you about 100 different ways. And um, I think they're throwing the ball a lot better and, and they have a nasty receiving course. Like people, well, people aren't realizing that these guys have some some top fifteen draft picks of receiver on their team. Um, I think just talent for talent, Auburn is just a better team. So, but I right. do think if anybody can come in there and beat them, um, what they're doing with Brandon Harris, I like how they move. It's like they go from a vertical scheme with Jennings, and they play it a little bit better with Harris. They allow him to pick and pop, and it's more of a rhythm offense with with Harris. So um, it should be a good game, but uh, I don't think I don't think they can beat Auburn this year. Maybe next year, though, right. with those true freshmen. Mm-hmm. Those true freshmen. Yeah, bro. I think I would, I'd have to go with Auburn as well, basically, because LSU's been struggling against quality and you know competition defensively. I do think they have talent. I do think they're struggling some. Harris is going to have to have an out of body experience and play an unbelievable game for a young kid to give them a chance, but. Uh, and I guess finally, you know, our, our, our segments almost are about come to an end. But who do you like? You've done a lot of film study. Who do you like in the Alabama Ole Miss game? I like Bama to um, to eke out one, um, maybe like twenty four to seventeen, something okay, like that. So you, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game, but um, I think the run game will, will be what Bama leans on, and um, I think that they'll end up gashing them and. Um, and getting it done that way. Um, it could very well go the other way, though. They're going to be fired up at, over there at the Grove. And, and those if any year that they were going to beat Alabama, it would have to be this year. While um, Alabama's young players mature, and they have a lot of upperclassmen that are just they're just waiting with bated breath to finally get to where they want to go, So, including the quarterback and everything. So, if this were the year to beat Alabama, it would be this year, but I, don't, I still don't think they get it done. I think 24-17 Alabama. 
Well, Murph, we really appreciate you coming on tonight yet again. It's always great stuff. The 30, the 30 minutes goes by like two minutes. But uh, we really enjoyed you coming <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, it's it's been really a quick uh, segment, but it's been a great segment because there's such good information coming from you, and you break it down like no other. But we really appreciate your thoughts. We'll be looking for your uh, post-game uh, uh, stuff after the Alabama Ole Miss and throughout an epic day of the SEC. We know you had a lot of great stuff up on SDS. And just tell the listeners again where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your stuff. All right, you can first and foremost find me at SaturdayDownSouth.com. I uh, cover Bama on a weekly basis, but also cover the rest of the SEC. And now uh, you can find me on Twitter at MurphSDS. That's M-U-R-F-S-D-S. All right, man, we really appreciate it. And as, as always, we look forward to having you on again really soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Kerry Thompson, Drew. Good to have you again. Murph Paul right, and Saturday Down South. Yes, Murph Ball, when the one and only, breaking it down like no other. Uh, just great stuff. You find yourself just mesmerized by all of it. Just some really good thoughts on old Mrs. Personnel. And I'm gonna now that he's done, I want to ask Thomas, what did you think of his breakdown, Thomas? And what do you have to add? Well, I think that he is probably right in that this is the first eleven in terms of old Mrs. defense are the best 11 in the SEC. I I want to see, like, talent-wise, but I want to see what happens, like, how these guys respond when the talent levels are equal and it's not, you know, when, when, when it's not just a terrible mismatch. Yes, Ole Miss has really done a number on some mediocre to bad defense to offensive like fronts. Mm -hmm. But how does that change when now a guy that in Kim Dietschy, who has been tearing it up or obviously able to fulfill his assignments, what happens when he's stoned? You know, how how does the defense change? Like the crack fight? Well, (laughs) yeah, that too. No, when, uh, when he should, when when he tries to rush and get stopped, like he tries to bull rush a Cam Robinson, and Cam Robinson is able to anchor and stop it, what happens then? How does the defense respond? I realize I'm kind of looking at it through crimson colored glasses when I say it, but it's in terms of questions that I have about the defense. That's a big one. Yes, a lot of these kids are now upperclassmen. A lot of them have been in the quote unquote war in the trenches, but right. it's it's a totally different thing to think you know something in the back of your mind and then actually get hit over the head with it in like in your face. Think of it like almost test anxiety or some kind of test. You can study the hell out of something and you can think you know it and you've studied it before and you're there and then you get to the test and something happens and you're hosed. That happens. It's, it's not saying that Ole Miss is bad, has bad players. It's just, this is a major step up in competition and it's really the first time this season. Yes, they deserve credit for shutting down the Memphis defense, or Memphis offense, excuse me. Because if they hadn't, Ole Miss loses that game. Because it was not just bad bow, it was truly atrocious bow for the Ole Miss offense. But about the Ole Miss offense, I think which Bo Wallace are you going to get? I can't underscore how much or how poor 
at least one, if not both, of those interceptions that he threw were. It's like you lock in on your guy, and you throw the ball, and you just completely miss on the fact that there's a safety playing robber, or they're in a zone and a corner's undercutting the route. You can't do that against Alabama. You you can't. And if that happens, yes, I completely agree that Ole Miss will move the ball. Treadwell will get his. He's like, in, in some ways, I hate to make this comparison, but it's he's a Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Amari Cooper for fans that are more football-centric. He's going to get his. Right. Stop it. So well, you can you can only hope to contain it. But where does where does Bad Bo show up? If Bad Bo shows up as Ole Miss is going in for a score, that's you know that's the worst thing for that team. If you remember going back to last year's game, Ole Miss moved the ball in Alabama in that first series. Yes, and right. Alabama got that fourth and two stop where I believe it was Eddie Jackson turned the Old Miss either running back or receiver on his head and stopped him. That kind yeah. of thing, and then and then they fell apart. You know what happens when Alabama punches because Alabama's going to punch hard. They're going to punch really hard. And that's a question in my mind. Again, they're older, they're more experienced, but there are a lot of questions surrounding this team. And I've I've been burned enough to say, oh, this on paper looks amazing, and then it comes out and looks like garbage. But I'm just like, I look at it like there are more questions than there are really answers for this team. And that's not a good spot to be in if you're playing against a very good team in Alabama, in my opinion, personally. Well, and the thing that I and I noticed, Thomas, and I think you and I were uh, communicating through the game. I've just never thought that uh, I've never liked uh, Bo Wallace's feel for the pocket. I don't think he has great pocket presence. I think he tends to look at the rush. If Alabama can start collapsing the pocket, he's going to try to take off and they can force turnovers, especially if they can get him from the blind side. Because I don't really think he feel he has great a great feel for the pocket, but that's just me. Well, no, I agree with you. I think the I think Memphis really showed. I know mean, I communicated this with you. They really showed the problem with a gap pressure and what what is a gap pressure? A gap pressure is the two gaps to the left and the right of the center. You send right. a linebacker, or you can even stun a defensive end there and get push straight into someone's face. When that happens, the quarterback can't go full, like they can't step into his throws. The pocket collapses and Bo Wallace falls apart. Yes, they did have one good response on a rollout where they got a first down, but you can't you know what are you going to do roll them out all the time? That then you're cutting your field in half. Right. But anyway, I, uh Carrie, we do have Big C on hold. So you want to bring him on and I'll make him live. We have Big C from Greenville who's uh on hold for us tonight, uh, one of our actually now weekly caller, uh, Big C. What's going yeah. on tonight in uh, Butler County, Alabama? It's a pretty night down here. It's a cool night. The moon is out, and uh, we're listening to you right now. And um, and just want to mention, I think that was an interesting guy named Murphy um, from Saturday, Saturday Down South. Is that who was on before y'all were just talking down? Yep. He's like having a coach on. Oh, is he? But anyway, yep. um, 
But anyways, uh, very interesting to be here and what y'all talking about some uh, Saturday's game. I think I've got two friends, and this is what they say. If Alabama does not uh, help them, can't see us losing. So if we can keep the turnovers down to a minimum and the penalties cut them back down a pretty good bit, I just think Alabama will win. I agree, Big C. I was, that was going to be my next point to Thomas. Alabama has got to protect the football, especially on the road. Cannot be sloppy with penalties. If they do that and are sharp, as they and I think Kerry would agree with me on this. Usually Alabama plays clean on the road. If they play clean, they're going to beat Ole Miss to a pulp. I'll just go ahead and say it. Well, I hope I'm going to mention a historical fact that's coming up on Saturday. October the 4th will be the 45th anniversary of the 33-32 to shootout, and I don't think Bo Wallace is another Archie Manning. And the only two times Alabama's lost in Oxford, his son Eli was the quarterback, and I don't think he's equal to him either. Well, not only that, but Blake Sims throws a lot less interceptions than Scott Hunter did. <laughs> but I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, uh, yeah, Ole Miss's quarterbacks, I mean, the only time we've lost to them was Eli Manning was the quarterback over there. I know there have been some close games, but I just don't think it's going to be that way. And speaking about Scott Hunter, can I mention something about him, if you know where I'm coming from, Kerry? Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I have a show called Talking Bama with Big C, and it's going to be on, on the net on at jockjive.com. You can watch it on YouTube. And uh, – I'm going to be interviewing Scott Hunter, and we're going to be talking about that classic 1969 game starting Friday. Like us on Facebook, and I want you, and I'll be having you on my show on Friday. But um, yeah, Alabama really, if you think about this, uh, talking about the schedule, they have played two Power Five teams in uh, West Virginia and Florida, and the only Power Five team of uh, Ole Miss has played is Vanderbilt, which I'm. I know you don't need to. I know you can't compare, but I'm just. I'd have to say the schedule is sort of a lot favorable or a lot tougher for Alabama coming in this game than it is for Ole Miss. And I can't remember who they all. I'm saying they beat Boise State. They beat Memphis. They beat Vanderbilt. Who's the other team that they knocked off? Y'all there? Who you talking about? Memphis. I, I thought I was going to carry that. I don't, know. Beat, I don't have their schedule. They, well, no, no, they, they beat they beat Louisiana Lafayette. There you go. They beat they beat Memphis and they beat Vandy and they beat Boise State. Uh, well, Boise they're, State. They're, they're defense four is racked okay. up these stats. Their defense has racked up all these great stats against that schedule. They haven't played anybody with an offense like West Virginia. The Boise they played is nowhere near the Boise that we remember. Uh, not saying they don't have a great defense. They do. They have three or four guys on that defense that'll be in the NFL, no doubt. But their defense hasn't played the quality uh, of opponents. They've played no one like West Virginia. They really haven't played anybody with an offense like Florida. We heard all this great stuff about Memphis's offense, uh, but that was proven sort of non-existent Saturday. Um, I, I, guess, I put it like this. If Memphis is the best offense you played in four games, then uh, you just keep bragging about your defensive stats. Please do. And also, Cody Pruitt didn't help matters by running his mouth. I don't understand these kids talking big, especially when you're playing somebody that's higher ranked than you, how you're going to beat them or how the other team's not that good. I know that's going to be bulletin board material in the dressing room. 
Well, I agree. I mean, I, I appreciate them doing it, but I think our players have gotten to the point where they're just expected from Ole Miss to succeed. I just think I, – I think that we would have we've whipped them, and I'm going 24-14, to 14, Bama, but I think we would have whipped them whether or not he'd mouthed off like that. Uh, but yeah. I tell you what, Big C, uh, we got another guest coming on in just a couple minutes, and we haven't had a break yet. So uh, right, go well, ahead hey, and tell him one more time. All right. All right. Tell them one more time. We're here it's, talking Bama with Big C. All right, it's talking Bama with Big C at www.jockjive.com. Like us and tell your friends about them about the show and like get them to like us also. And thank you. And I'll be talking to you Friday, big man. All right, roll tide. Thank you. Yes, sir. Roll tide. We'll talk to you Friday on your okay. show in Greenville. Uh, and uh, at this point, we're going to take a break as we get ready for our next guest, uh, Rodney York from TyrantSider.com. But uh, for now, we're going to take a break and uh, get, get a few nice mentions out to some of our sponsors. You're listening to BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Take BAMS Sports Radio with you on the go and in your car with the free iPhone app. With cutting-edge features including live broadcasts, on-demand radio, play-pause buttons, and text connect, allowing you to text into shows giving True Tide fans an interactive sports radio experience like never before. Go to BamaSportsRadio.com or search Bama Sports Radio in the iPhone App Store to get true 24-hour radio on Alabama sports anywhere in the world, only from Bama Sports Radio. Keep up with Bama Sports Radio off the air and on the move for the latest news and programming on all things Alabama. Follow us on Twitter at Bama Sports Radio and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bama Sports Radio. Bama Sports Radio, giving you all tied, all the time. www.sunbeltinflatabletents.com and ask for Billy or call 251-247-1169 to order. 
The FCC can add all the teams at once. We're still number one. Roll Tide. This is BAM's Radio. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her head Five minutes after y'all, and you're listening to BAM's Radio on Blog Talk Radio, a proud member of the BAMA Sports Radio family. And uh, another sponsor we want to mention before we get back into regular programming is our barbecue sponsor. Our exclusive BAM's Radio tent barbecue sponsor is Big Head Barbecue out of Stapleton, Alabama, in beautiful Baldwin County. For our motto is go big or go home. We have catering, private parties, events. You can download the catering menu. At Big, you can uh, email our owner Chuck Peak at BigHeadChuck at Gmail dot com. You can call him at two five one three seven nine zero zero nine four. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Heads Barbecue. You can search him and follow him on Facebook. But the big thing to do is go to the website at BigHeadsBBQ.net. Check out that catering menu. It don't matter if it's eighty. It don't matter if it's eighty. He got the hookup. We're talking beef, pork ribs, brisket, and something they call the triple threat, which is a piece of pork with a tiny piece of sausage in the middle wrapped in a piece of bacon drizzled with Chuck's homemade sauce. So, Big Head Barbecue, and he's also the sponsor of our hotline where you can call if you have a question. Our number is uh, 714-510-3707. That's the Big Head's Barbecue hotline. And now we'll get back to regular programming on BAM's radio with our co-host, Drew DeArmond. Thomas of uh, AlabamaIntel.com. I'm Kerry Clark with AlabamaMag.com. Back in the studio, we have Thomas Watts with Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And joining us live on the show, we have my friend of yours, the owner, the general manager, the chief cook and bottle washer of TylerInsider.com, Mr. Rodney Orr. Rodney, how you doing, brother? I am doing fine, Kerry. I hope you guys can hear me well. My phone is uh, running out of battery, but I'm going to hang on as long as I can. Okay, Rodney, we we, have, we understand that. We've all been there before. Um, I, well, first of all, I, we just want to ask your thoughts on the game. We know how much you love Ole Miss, the state of Mississippi. Um, I know you worked there for a long time. You have a background in the state. You know it well. But what is your thoughts on the matchup with the Rebels? Well, first of all, I, really, I know people get a kick out of that, but I'm not really anti the state of Mississippi in any way. But um, <laughs> I understand I, that, yeah. I would say this uh, about this game. I mean, I think, you know, as I've kind of watched it through the years, this is probably the best Ole Miss defense I've seen since probably 1993 that I can remember. Just, just I agree. From, from what I've seen of them. 
you remember back in the days when Joe Lee Dunn back in the early nineties was had that blitzing defense and you know yeah, they were very tough. Good. Yeah, they were very, very difficult to, to play against. And uh you know, so I, I think this is probably appears to be the best defense that I've seen from them since then. I, they're fast, they're quick. You know, I know that they 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 stun a lot, um, you know, and do a lot of things defensively to try to, you know, create some confusion and up front. Um, so they're they're overall just a very difficult defense to uh, to try to you know go against and and defensively in the secondary they're you know they got some ball hawking guys back there Antonio Connor the uh, Cody Pruitt kid uh, Sinquest Golson's one of the corners uh, Trey Elston's a guy from the state of Alabama I think he had a pick in their last game so uh, you know they have a lot of outstanding guys in the secondary as well. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a – I started thinking about the 93 uh, defense uh, this afternoon, Rodney, and that game was a bloodbath. Uh, David Palmer saved the day. I believe Alabama won that game 19-14. to 14. Uh, It was a uh, – I, I remember the game well. It was one of my favorite games that Palmer ever played. I mean, his first rep at quarterback, he threw a perfect bomb to Kevin Lee and uh, made several unbelievable open field runs. I mean, he made Gary A. Bide missing a phone book our phone booth, and uh, A-Bide ended up getting so angry he got himself ejected on the last play of the game. But, I mean, that was a very good defense. I know it's gonna Alabama's going to have to wear him down. I guess my my hope in this game is that Alabama's a lot better offensively than they were then and that they yeah. can, uh, with their weaponry, they can wear down Ole Miss in the second half. Well, that, that Alabama team certainly uh, did not have the weapons. They had David Palmer, but they didn't have the weapons or the offensive line even that this team has uh, by any stretch. But, um, you know, when you look at Alabama offensively, they, 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 you know, talking about going up against the Ole Miss defense, you know, certainly Ole Miss hasn't seen an offense anything similar to Alabama's in terms of, you know, the talent. You know, and, and, and here's the thing. You know, people talk about how good Ole Miss defense is, and, and I even said it, you know, that I think it's the best defense they've had since 93. But let's also kind of t- take a look at the competition. I mean, they right. played uh, Boise, uh, Vanderbilt, ULL, you know, Louisiana Lafayette, and then Memphis. Those teams, most for the most part, are very slow offensively. They they just don't have a lot of playmakers. Um, so they re- it's not like they've really gone up against a, a a good offense to this point. So you know what they'll see from Alabama is something they haven't seen before. The, with those playmakers, that speed, the ability to make plays you know, through the air, a quarterback who has versatility, throwing the football and, you know, pulling down and running it if he needs to, and then all those running backs. And and they certainly haven't faced an offensive line like Alabama's. Then you throw in the fact that, you know, maybe this is the game O.J. Howard gets going a little bit. And, you know, Ole Miss has got a lot to defend there. And I think when you gamble kind of like they do and you stunt, you know, you, you set yourself up sometimes for big plays. Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely going to be uh, a, a chance. I think Alabama will definitely have a chance to make some big plays in the game. I think Ole Miss will gamble some. I think Kenyon Drake and Amari Cooper's explosiveness. And I think DeAndre White will be available in some form or fashion. If he's healthy enough to go and give him some reps, I think he could make a big play. Even Christian Jones, who hasn't made a lot of big plays yet, 
I still think there's a good chance for Alabama to make some vertical plays and some chunk plays. The key, Rodney, is I think Ole Miss will move the ball some. I think Laquan Treadwell and Cody Cole are really good receivers. Uh, obviously, Evan Ingram. But the key is going to be for Alabama to not give up big plays and then to play well in the red area when they when out when the Ole Miss is able to to get into uh, the cross on the Alabama side of the field. Well, I, and I don't think Ole Miss. I, I think they. I know Coach Saban addressed their running game tonight by saying that a lot of their passing plays are actually just like running plays. But as far mm-hmm. as purely running the football, which they want to be more effective running the football, I mean traditional running plays, so to speak, not these passes that are considered runs. But you look at them and uh, they've struggled offensively up front on the right side of their offensive line. They've, they've kind of struggled a little bit at center. I don't think those those three spots – from the right side over to center have been as productive as, as they hope. You know, Aaron Morris at left guard and Larry Metunsel at left tackle have been really good for them, I think. Uh, so they've, they've um, you know, they're solid in, in their pass protection. But, you know, running the football, they've really struggled. They've got some decent backs who are really quick. Jordan Wilkins looked pretty good the other night uh, against Memphis. You know, Octavius Mathers is another guy that uh, – you know, has, has shown some flashes, and they have some other running backs as well. But, um, you know, they've just really not been consistent running the football, which means it kind of puts a little bit more pressure on Bo Wallace. And, you know, he's thrown some picks this year. I'm not sure how many he's thrown. I know he had a couple of games where he threw three. Uh, I think he threw three against Memphis last week. But, um, you know, when you start looking at them, what they really like to do is they like to throw those shorter passes, and they really uh, prefer not to throw the ball down the field if they don't have to. Um, because mm-hmm. they don't, really, they haven't really trusted Wallace throwing the ball down the field. Rodney, uh, got a question from uh, one of our loyal callers, uh, Jared from Southside, wanted me to ask you a recruiting question. Uh, we read it in a recent interview a couple of days ago um, on the internet, so it must be true, where Javon Robinson was quoted as saying he hadn't heard from Alabama in about a month, and the caller would like to know. Uh, why, in your opinion, Alabama is cooling, if they are, on Javon Robinson? Well, I, to be honest with you, I couldn't comment on that report because I haven't talked to him. To, um, so, I mean, it would be difficult for me to comment on, you know, what, what supposedly he might have said or whatever. But, um, you know, I mean, it, Alabama's uh, certainly looking at some other running backs and, you know, We'll just kind of have to see which direction they go. And don't forget, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on your show, that Bo Scarborough is expected to be in in January. So, you know, there you go with the running back in this class. I mean, so I, I'm not really sure unless they can get the guy that they want, that they are, you know, maybe they end up not taking a running back. I guess it all really just depends on who they can get. Let me rephrase it then. I, I probably should have asked this a different way. One, one of your favorite things that I've ever heard you say, and, and you, it's, it's like part of your mantra, Rodney, is if you can get them on campus, you've got a chance. That being said, do you feel like Javon Robinson will be on the Alabama visitors list for the Iron Bowl? Well, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, uh, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. You know, I can't answer that definitively, but it wouldn't surprise me, and and I do I do say that you know once you get them get them on campus, especially here at Alabama, that it's uh 
you know, certainly an advantage for you because I think they do such a great job once they get them here and the guys have an opportunity to see, you know, the facilities and see how things are done and they have a chance to sit down with the coaching staff. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, certainly they do a great job once they get them here. So, you know, anything can happen once they get to campus. But, you know, as far as Robinson's concerned, you know, I really don't know what's going to – at this point I expect him to end up at Auburn, and you know, but, but you know, things change mm-hmm. in recruiting. You know, we're in September. You know, we've seen a lot of changes happen between, you know, two weeks before signing day, you know, two months before signing day. Well, let's look at it last year, for example. You know, as we headed down the stretch, everybody thought that Deshaun Hand was either going to Michigan or Florida. And they, I know even one national recruiting guy, a very prominent uh, recruiting guy nationally, so that Alabama was was the th- was third and probably not really a serious contender, and uh, you know we saw what happened when he made his decision. I think it was you know in the middle of November when he committed. Then Rashawn Evans. I mean, you know, most everyone thought for sure he was would stay at home and go to Auburn, and certainly didn't expect him to pick Alabama until later in the process when things started kind of changing and. You know, he surprised everybody, I guess, on signing day when he when he carried through and, and announced for Alabama. So a lot of things can change right now. Uh, I think Alabama is still continuing to evaluate. You know, certainly they continue to evaluate and reevaluate guys and where they stand and maybe what their priorities are. So, you know, I wouldn't get too tied into where we are right now. Well, we'll – I just I would agree with that, Rodney. I think the recruiting class there's only a handful of spots left. But I think there's going to be attrition. I think there's going to the board always changes. Uh, I, I would like to have here. I, I, we, you know, you and I have talked about this young man, but I'd like to. Have, what are your What are your thoughts on Adonis Thomas? I know you you talked to his coach, and he's been very forthcoming and extremely helpful in the process. But what do you think, Alabama? I know they're still they still want Adonis very much, but. What do you think their chances are with Adonis? Well, as of about a week and a half ago, I, you know, I thought that they've been extremely good uh, that he might flip to Alabama. And again, this thing, we still got a lot of time, as I mentioned, and and you know, this thing could go back and forth two or three times before you know now and then. But I think that Adonis Thomas is, as we stood within the past week or so, Alabama's was in position to uh, to flip him from Florida. You know, outstanding linebacker from Central Gwinnett High School in Lawrenceville, Georgia. No, but we'll just have to see how it, happens, how it goes. Rodney, I wanted to ask you a question that I asked our guest last hour, uh, Murph Baldwin from Saturday Down South. I'll ask you, too. And you, you actually know this uh, more than anybody because you get to read daily the uh, thoughts and comments of our hundreds of thousands of Internet coaches but it seems that Alabama's internet coaches have decided that Leon Brown is no longer worthy to start at right guard, although he continues to run with the ones. Uh, and I know you watch tape. I know you watch every game live and then probably watch it again later. What, what are you seeing from Leon Brown that, in your opinion, has him still out there with the ones? Well, I mean, I just think probably if he's, you know, the fact that he's still out there with the ones has to do a lot with he's probably what they feel is the most consistent guy right now you know, what they're seeing in practice. You know, I think that a lot of times fans, you know, want to see Dominic Jackson, for example, and they think that maybe in a few plays they seem that he flashes something that they didn't see in Leon Brown. But, you know, the coaches obviously 
see a lot more of them, and they know that you know which guy's being more consistent. Maybe you know knows what he's supposed to do on a more consistent basis. And I think that's the thing. Dominic Jackson got here in June, and you know mm-hmm. certainly had a lot to learn. You know, Leon's been around a while, um, so uh, you know it's probably just still trying to get acclimated. And you know, Dominic's worked at a few positions. You know, a couple of positions over the last, you know, since camp started. So he's still trying to get his feet wet, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I guess right now the feeling is that, that Leon's the guy that gives him the best chance to be successful. Well, and Rodney, I think people forget also or shouldn't forget, it took Leon Brown over half the season to get comfortable last year as well. Uh, hopefully he's going to get come into his own. I still think he has been the weakest link, but I agree. I think the injury set uh, Dominic back, and I still think he's trying to get comfortable with the scheme. Uh, I still think he will be a good player, but it could be that he doesn't take over if he does for Leon until later in the season. But we will see. He's going to be needed Saturday, and uh, it's going to be very important for Alabama to cut down on the penalties and turnovers because, to me, Rodney, that's the main way Ole Miss will stay in the game and have a chance to win it. If Alabama plays clean, I think Alabama wins by double digits. Well, that's pretty much what I said last night on on our TV show was that, you know, I thought the big key for Alabama was to avoid the turnovers. They had four, obviously, against Florida, three fumbles in the interception. They had, what, 11 penalties for 80 yards and, you know, those kinds of things. You get over there in that environment and, you know, playing against those that, that particular team and that defense, that certainly puts you behind the eight ball and, you know, could be too difficult to overcome. But I think, you know, if Alabama can play consistently in terms of not turning the ball over, protect the football, and uh, not have all these, you know, five-yard penalties because you're starting. I I didn't count them up, but I know that there were a few times when Alabama, you know, started first and 15 or whatever it was. So, you know, you just can't have that and and expect to get into a rhythm and be consistent. I have to confess, Rodney, I did not get a chance yet to watch the show. It's still on my DVR. I will be watching it later tonight. So, uh let me know what what scores did you and Gary pick last night? Uh, see, I think Gary had it thirty-one twenty-one, and I picked it twenty-eight seventeen. Uh, I originally was going to pick it thirty-one to seventeen, but I changed my mind and picked it twenty-eight seventeen. Okay, I've got twenty-four to fourteen. It's always fun to hear that and check out how it really goes. But I, I haven't heard anybody that that knows football even outside the Alabama realm of media or whatever. I haven't heard anybody legitimate pick Ole Miss to win, just that they're going to make it interesting for at least a half. But uh, but you're right about their defense. they they got some great players on their defense, but the schedule they played thus far hasn't caused them to be tested like they will this week. And Rodney, I'm really curious to see what scheme they come up with to try to slow down because nobody's going to stop Amari Cooper. But I'm curious to see what they come up with to slow down Amari and if it involves cheating the safety over, if that's going to be time to free O.J. Howard. What are your thoughts on that? Well, quite possibly. I mean, you know, that's what they might do. And, um, you know, we'll just have to see, kind of like you said, Kerry, once the game gets here, what they are what they determine to do. I do think this. I, I kind of think that they're really going to come after Blake Sims early and kind of test him a little bit, um, you know, and see – how he holds up under pressure, you know, what? how can he perform on the road under pressure. So I, I won't be at all surprised to see them really come after him hard, at least, uh, you know, early in the game. 
if he sees that coming, I hope he checks to that screen to Derrick Henry to fall this off. <laughs> exactly. Well, certainly when you when you think about you know what the options Alabama has, you know, I think that uh, like I said earlier, I think the Ole Miss gambles at times defensively. I think they'll take some chances against Alabama, and I think it sets up opportunities for a big play, whether it's a big play for Ole Miss, you know, creating a negative play, or whether it's Alabama, you know, hitting an explosive play. But I think the way they do it sometimes it sets up opportunities for the for the offense, and I think you know Alabama has the skilled people to to uh, kind of uh, for that to kind of be advantageous to Alabama. And I, I agree, Rodney. I, I also think that Alabama can take advantage of some special team stuff with Ole Miss. I don't know what's telling me this, but I would not be surprised if they blocked the punt in this game. I think uh, Ole Miss's special teams has been really shaky. Uh, and I think Christian Jones is due for a breakout. He hasn't really done much in the return game. And I think that could be big on Saturday afternoon. Well, we'll see. I don't think Christian Jones necessarily is – kind of got off to the start that he got off to last year, you know, as mm-hmm. far as returning picks, and also just, you know, just, just kind of been ho-hum so far. Right. Not really, really anything against him. Just hasn't gotten as many opportunities. I mean, Amari Cooper has what in four games? 43 catches? I think mm-hmm. it is. Yep. So, I mean, you know, certainly nobody's really tried to take him away yet or have been able to take him away yet. So, uh, but I, I go back to what you asked earlier. I think, you know, Ole Miss is going to probably – to try to have a way to slow Amari down a little bit and, you know, kind of make Blake do some different things and try to make see if Blake can, you know, what he can do in terms of avoiding his other weapons. And, uh, you know, I, I think that they will pressure, you know, Blake early. And that's going to be the – I agree with you, Rodney. Nobody's really gotten a lot of pressure on him so far. It's going to be interesting to see how he, he handles it on the road. He's obviously come back from this injury. I'm hearing good things, but he still will, you know, be be. I think he'll be close to 100, percent but there'll still be some uh, hope. They'll, they'll want to protect him and keep him from taking a lot of shots. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I still think his mobility could play a big key because Florida wasn't ready for it, and Will Muschamp even talked about it afterwards. And I thought it might give him some problems because they couldn't simulate it. And I still think I know Ole Miss's defense is very fast, but I still think Blake mobility and ability to get away from some of the pressures could lead to some big plays. Yeah, uh, you know, and again, I think what we might as well like, go ahead and address, I don't know if you guys have addressed his shoulder or not, but you know, this week he didn't he didn't really throw in practice day. I know somebody reported that he was throwing, he, he had a, uh, in terms of the, the media viewing period, he lobbed a couple of right. balls during the media viewing period. Yeah. Strictly during the media viewing period. And everybody needs to understand but that's about a five- to seven-minute window we had today. And exactly. He really didn't throw the ball. He just lobbed it a little bit. But mm-hmm. after we left, uh, there, you know, he, he has thrown the ball this week in practices. I heard, I've heard from various sources. Coach Saban said today he's, he's looked good. But, you know, other sources that have been in practice that he's thrown the ball really well, threw it really well yesterday in yesterday's practice. So, you know, he, he is throwing the ball and um, – you know, so his shoulder does appear to be fine. Yeah, and that's a big. And I, I think that I was really big when we found out earlier this week that there was no structural damage. So hopefully he will be 100% because they're going to need him. And uh, 
and hopefully, you know, he, he should be still playing with a lot of confidence after the performance against Florida. And I just look forward to Lane Kiffin's game plan. I've been really uh, enthused with his play calling thus far through the first four weeks, and I think he's going to give, you know, Ole Miss some things they haven't seen. And that's why I'm counting on Alabama uh, uh, pulling away in the second half of the football game. And I'll let Kerry uh, give his final thoughts on what he thinks could sh- might may happen. Well, I think that uh, Alabama's going to win about 24 to 14, maybe 27 to 14, something like that. Uh, I wanted to ask Rodney before his uh, battery runs out. Uh, we didn't cover this in the first hour, Rodney, so I want to go ahead and bring it up and let you kind of tell the listeners. Uh, I understand that Coach Saban uh, addressed uh, two guys that have been missing practice this week, Grant Hill and Tyron Jones. Kind of bring our listeners up to speed on what's going on with those two young guys. Well, let me let me start with Tyron Jones. Last week, he was on the bike during practices in a black jersey, which he was dressed in, but he was in a black jersey, which is a non-contact jersey, means don't hit this guy. He's either a quarterback or he's, or he's injured. So that's that's the reason they're in black jerseys. And Tyron Jones was in a black jersey last week doing stationary work on the stationary bike for conditioning up, up until Friday, and then he – you know, he was not at Friday's practice, and he has not been there this week that we've spotted him during the media viewing period. Again, those are limited viewing periods, but he's not been there. Coach Saban today said that he he uh, tore a tendon in one of his hands, had to have surgery, would be out for several weeks. So Tyron Jones is out for several weeks with that. And uh, Grant Hill, Coach Saban addressed that today for the first time. He's missed the last three practices, I think, that it's, since Monday he's he's been absent. And Coach Saban said he is ill, he's been sick, and that, uh, you know, they're just trying to get him well, and uh, they weren't sure exactly when he would be back in a position to, you know, contribute, but that he was, you know, very questionable, obviously, for this game. And I guess finally, before we let you go, uh, there seem to be maybe one or two new names that have surfaced in the last couple of games regarding possible offensive tackle signees for Alabama. Uh, and I know you reported on a young man named Roseboro, but I want to say there was another name that popped up with a, a name, not Kwanjo, but like a an African-type name. But just talk about how things stand right now with offensive tackle for Alabama in this recruiting class. Well, I, I think Isaiah Prince is still, you know, again, I – Guys, I can't follow it as closely during this part of the season as as I do on a daily basis out throughout the year. But um, so I haven't heard anything new on I, Isaiah Prince since I, since I talked to him last week. And what he told me last week was that Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, and Maryland were his top four in no particular order. He you know he really likes it down here at Alabama. I think you know most people feel like Alabama and Florida and Maryland probably his his three favorites. You know. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, like I said, I think Alabama's in pretty good shape with him or at least has a great opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, go down the wire with him. Um, as far as some other guys, um, you know, obviously Matt Womack is a guy from up in, uh, what, Hernando, Mississippi area. I think he might be at Magnolia Heights now Academy. But he um, he's a guy that's really about 6'6", 330. And uh, he came to Alabama's camp this summer, had a decent camp. He's got it's kind of, you know, improved as, as, as his high school career has gone, gone along. Um, you know, he's come a long way over the last couple of years. He's committed to LSU. Um, you know, Alabama offered him here, what, 
two weeks ago, I think, when he was in for the Florida game. If I'm not mistaken, that that was the game he was at. And I think Alabama certainly has a chance to flip him. Ole Miss is really starting to pick up steam. I talked to someone close to you know, the Ole Miss program about a week ago who said that uh, you know Ole Miss was, was on the verge of kind of turning up the notch on, on Matt Womack a little bit. So, you know, those are two of the top guys uh, right now. I do think that I do think there's a good chance that when Lester Cotton gets here, he, of course he's already committed from Tuscaloosa Central. And, by the way, he was awarded his Under Armour All-American jersey today here at his high school. So he'll, so he'll, play, that. In that, yeah, he'll play in that game. And, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, he's a guy that could start out at right tackle. I expect him to start out at right tackle, actually. And, and Kerry, you, you mentioned the other kid, and I forgot, he's a 2016 kid from down in Florida. Now he's living in Georgia, recently moved to, to Georgia. Uh, he, was a he was a 2016 kid who was reclassifying, uh, as I understand it, he's reclassifying to 2015, so he'll be available this year. And he, he does have a you know, kind of a different name. I'll try to pronounce it Chitty Okiki Valentine. How's that? Yeah, it's about a three. It's a three-name guy. I, I couldn't pronounce it myself, Roddy. Good job. I I saw the kid being reclassified, but I could not pronounce the name. Yeah, he's about six six, three oh five. You know, we've talked to him before, and uh, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with him. Well, good stuff. Uh, that that would be my final question. Drew, you got anything else for Rodney? No, I really don't. I just think we got excellent thoughts on the game, Rodney. Great point about 1993. It thought about the same the same situation, and uh, that same thoughts have gone through my mind. I think the game is going. I think we have very similar thoughts on that. Always good stuff with recruiting, but I, I'm like Rodney. There's so many moving parts in it right now. It's just kind of hard to get a grip on it. Uh, but uh, the team. Uh, but I, I think this Ole Miss game is very intriguing. And I think it's Blake Simmons' final hurdle to handle a true road game. And if he, pl- I think he's going to play well again. And if he does, then people are going to finally have to understand that Alabama could hopefully have caught lightning in a bottle this season. Well, I'll say one last thing about the, you know, the game, and that's this is the biggest game. And we say this all the time. We said it in 2009, and about every time Alabama goes over there, it seems like when Ole Miss is half decent, but. Uh, you know, 2009 was obviously a big game. Ole Miss was really a good team, started out that season in the top five. But, you know, I think they feel like this is the best team they've had in a long time. This is the best opportunity they've had. Uh, they're kind of out of their minds over there. I've talked to people in Oxford. They said it's crazy is not the word for, you know, kind of the atmosphere that's already over there. I mean, this is this is really big, big to them. And, in fact, I spoke to one guy very close to that program, and he told me, he said, I really don't know how the players and the coaching staff are going to be able to get on the plane the next week to go to Texas A&M because they're putting everything into this game. I mean, they're, they're kind of like in a situation where win or lose, they're going to be shot. And uh, so that just kind of tells you how big it is for them. But, you know, Alabama's kind of taking that business approach. I mean, they've been here before. This is something that is just pretty normal for them, I think, you know, preparing for a game like this. And, and I think that's one thing that plays into Alabama's advantage as, as we head into Saturday. Excellent thoughts, Rodney. I know you always got excellent keen insight into the state of Mississippi. You have excellent sources over there, and we look forward to the game, and we look forward to having you on again in the next in the in the near future. And thank you for coming on BAMS again, as always. Great stuff. 
Hey, I'm I'm just glad my battery held out, guys. Good. Thank uh, you, well, Appreciate Thank it, man. You got Rodney take Orr from Tyler and Tyler. You take glad care, everybody. Thank you, sir. That's Rodney Orr, TylerInsider.com. Always good to have him. We're glad his battery held out too. And uh, I guess Rodney didn't even know until tonight when Drew let him know that uh, two or three years he lived in Jackson made him a Mississippi expert. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> I think it was about a year and a half. But anyway, that he, you know, he did live there. Uh, Gary Harris used to live there. And then a guy that uh, we used to work with back in the day at the old W uh, uh, DBB TV that morphed later on into, into uh, VUA. Uh, <laughs> well, it didn't really morph, but anyway. Uh, another guy, uh, we had Gary Harris, and then we had a guy named uh, – Lindsey Hall, and he is now permanently doing sports in Meridian. So we probably should get him on uh, the week we play state. Lindsey yeah. Hall would be a good, good guest. He's a longtime friend of myself and Rodney and Gary Harris. Is, uh... But anyway, that's good stuff from Rodney Orr. And uh, I sure as heck couldn't remember that guy that reclassified. And I'm, I'm, I don't even know if he's going to be I, brought I in for a visit. A I knew it started with a C, and I, I saw it, but uh, so I could not. Valentine's his last name or Valentine's his first name? I think Valentine's his last name. Well, let's just keep calling him that then. You know, Quan Joe Valentine. <laughs> What's up? What up, Quan Joe? But, uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Apparently, he's kind of raw. He's been playing football maybe two or three years. Maybe, I don't even think that long. So I thought somebody told me either this summer or last spring, maybe. I don't know. He hadn't been even playing a year, I don't think, Jerry. That's wild. He might get an Alabama visit. Mike. I think I, I, I'm starting to think they're going to turn Isaiah Prince. Though. I think they are too. And to be honest, you know, a, well, a very good friend of this program, William Barger, is not high on uh, Matt Womack. Uh, we will see. I think he's kind of a developmental guy. But if they get Isaiah Prince, I think he's definitely the one they want. Will they get it? Would they? If, if they got the right one, I think they would take two. But they definitely want Isaiah Prince because, like Rodney said. It looks like Lester Cotton is going to be a right tackle. And as you, you've seen Lester Cotton carry yourself a lot in person, and he's a beast. Uh, you know, the night I was there, I, he was dominating. Uh, he was. I mean, you know, it's, when you see Lester Cotton, you know, 6'6", 3'10", whatever, blocking a 4, 5, 175-pound Caucasian defensive end on Brookwood, you can't help but be impressed. But they said in the game I was at when they beat, when they lost to Brookwood, they the, – the, Central coaches credited Lester with 22 pancakes. Now I didn't see 22. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I might have seen half of that, but I didn't. But anyway, whatever. Uh, we still have a, a, about 25 minutes left in the show, and you can still call in and ask your questions to Drew and I and Thomas uh, on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline 714-510-3707. We didn't hear from Marty last week, so I. I kept yeah, no participation chart. We didn't have, well, we didn't have a participation chart to go over, though, really, did we? Yeah. Well, well I, I guess I, I, I had the one from Florida. The yeah, that's true. That's so uh, I left it out. It's still in here somewhere. If he calls, we'll go over <laughs> If he don't, we won't go over it. But anyway, uh, you know, Drew, another thing I wanted to talk about, the offensive tackle situation, uh, people act like it's dire for Alabama to get a left tackle in this class, but Number one, you you got a guy that's going to be starting for two more years at left tackle now, Cam Robinson. Number two, as William Redfish Barger pointed out on this program about four or five weeks ago, for the guys in Willie Allen from Louisiana and E.J. Moss uh, from over in uh, Snellville, Georgia, as referenced earlier, uh, if Alabama gets one or both of those guys, they ain't going to need a tackle for eons. Those are 16 guys. 
Yeah, that, that's true. They 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 think they, they feel good about 2016, but I think they're going to try to get Isaiah Prince, and I think they've got a really good shot. Um, especially, I know you know Isaiah realizes that you know Cam Robinson's already there, but he can take over for Cam Robinson. Uh, there's not going to be many Cam Robinsons that don't redshirt. And the other good thing, Kerry, is besides Dominic Jackson, Alabama looks as though they're going to be able to redshirt this entire class, hopefully. Oh, yeah, I don't think they'll play any of the freshman offensive linemen that have not played yet. My big question, and I, and I haven't heard anything to contradict it yet, uh, my big question about redshirting is uh, Marlon Humphrey, Drew. Yeah, and uh, thus far, uh, from what I hear, the plan is right now it's being discussed to redshirt him. And uh, if he doesn't play in the next two or three ball games, I think that's going to happen, Kerry, because he hasn't even played on special teams. And so that that would be unusual. But I guess it would also mean, A, Tony Brown was playing at a high level, and, B, they got Eddie Jackson back from injury. And, uh, and, and no disrespect to Cyrus Jones, but what I would hope to happen with Eddie Jackson hopefully getting back soon was eventually I'd like to see the two corners be Eddie Jackson and Tony Brown, and that uh, Cyrus slide over to the nickel role. Well, I don't even think he'd be that. I think you know he'd be the nickel. <laughs> if he ever gets to be Eddie and Tony, which I hope it is by A&M, uh, I, I, uh, that's what I hope it is. But anyway, uh, i tell you what, our next caller obviously does not have any attention deficit disorder because every time you call his name on the air live, within 30, 45 seconds, he's ringing into the show. So let me go ahead and bring on Marty from Gadsden, Alabama. What's going on, brother? We missed you hey, last just, week, Marty. What's going on, my man? Hey, great night. Just a wonderful fall weather. Just love it. I mean, it's the best time of the year. Amen. Roll Tide. Hey, guys. I mean, I know we don't have no participation participation shark this week. Yeah, we but... still got the flow of them, man. You didn't call last week. <laughs> well, <laughs> did, you know, y'all had a uh, jam-packed show last week. Didn't have a chance to really call in the late hours. But, well, I'm, I'm holding uh, it in my hand if you want it. <laughs> uh, well, let's go here and hear it right quick. All right. Uh, actually, it was a season low, 62 guys played against Florida. Uh, the starters on offense were Cam Robinson, Ari Quanjo, Ryan Kelly, Leon Brown, we'll just do last names to both faster. Shepard, Bogler, Sims, Drake, Cooper, Jones, and uh, DeAndre White. Defensive starters were uh, Allen Robinson and Reed up front. Linebackers were uh, DePriest, Raglan, Duvall, and they started uh, a lot of secondary guys. <laughs> Geno Smith, Landon Collins, Cyrus Jones, Tony Brown, Maurice Smith all started. Um, and uh, the reserves in, in the Ole Miss game, and a lot of these guys didn't get in until late in the game. But uh, not Ole Miss, Florida. The reserves among the 62 who played were uh, Chris Black, Alec Morris, Tyron Jones, Nick Perry. Uh, Perry didn't play till very late in the game, though. He could have played the whole second half, and he didn't come in until like the last four or five minutes. Bradley Sill, uh, still scratching my head on him being ahead of Marlin. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Yeldon, Mazza, the snapper, Josh Frazier, freshman, Cam Sims, freshman, Ryan Anderson, another good game, Adam Griffith. Deshaun Hand, Ruben Foster, uh, Sean Dion Hamilton, David Cornwell. That's not true. That's wrong. That's a misprint. David Cornwell did not play. Sorry, uh, the stat crew screwed that up. Anyway, Ardarius Stewart, uh, Jake Coker, uh, J.K. Scott, uh, who has shown that he can kick off and punt, Brandon Ivory, Dakota Ball, Brandon Green at tight end, O.J. Howard got his first two catches, D.J. Petway, 
a great article on the internet on DJ Petway today, by the way, if y'all hadn't read it on uh, on Rivals. Really good article. Also good articles today on Blake Sims and Adam Griffith. If y'all have time, Google those names and read the articles that came out today. Those are outstanding pieces of journalism, all three of them. Uh, Grand Hill, Isaac Lewis Tua, uh, Bozeman at center, uh, Dom Jackson, uh, Florida Smith at tight end, Tim Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson, Big Shank Taylor, Xavier Dixon. He's really playing well this year. Nice Wander, your backup fullback from Hoover, walk-on, fifth-year man. Justin Fowler, Dylan Lee, Derek Henry, Alti Tenpenny, uh, Rashawn Evans, Cooper Bateman at Holder, Jabril Washington, first career interception. So happy for the kid. So uh, those are the guys that played that game. Uh, we got that out of the way. And, well, you know, 62 got in in that game. Uh, it probably won't be too many more than that that get in this week. Uh, but we will have the Ole Miss chart ready for you next week. You can give us a holler. But, Marty, I know that's not the only reason you called. Uh, what else is on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, everybody's, you know, giving Florida down the road because Alabama just made them look bad. But I'm telling you what, if you look at Florida, I just don't think Florida's that bad a football team. I really don't. I think Florida's going to bounce back this week. I think Florida's going to beat Tennessee this week. And it's going to shock some people because, you know, I think Alabama is that good. I really do. Well, I mean, I think don't tell that I to think Tim Brando, Marty. Well, Tim Brando, you know. Yeah. But I, I, I just think Florida's got too much talent there. I don't think Muschamp's a bad coach. I don't think – definitely not a bad defensive coach. He just he just wasn't prepared for what he's seen from Alabama because this, this is not the typical Alabama football team on offense. It has not been in years. For, for years and years, Alabama has run a boring offense. It really has been a boring this year is not a boring offense. It's an exciting offense. It's quick passes. You don't have time to to sack Blake Sims. I mean, he's he's got rid of the ball so quick. I've been so impressed with him, and, and I hope it's true that he's 100% healthy and ready to go in this game. Because if he is, it don't matter what what Ole Miss has on defense. If he gets rid of that ball quickly like he's been doing, it, it won't matter about the pass rush. And you know. And, I just don't see all of Florida being that bad a game. I just think they just was not prepared for what they seen from Alabama. I don't know what y'all's opinion was that. Well, I don't think they have a quarterback. Uh, I actually think Tennessee could have beat Georgia if their quarterback hadn't got hurt. And if he plays worthy, I'm talking about the Tennessee quarterback, if he plays the entire game the way he's capable of playing, I, I, I think that, that, that Tennessee wins that ball game. Well, look, Marty, I'll give you credit. I mean, you were the one that told us that uh, that A&M was going to beat Carolina. I'll give you credit on that. So if you're saying that you feel confident Florida's going to beat Tennessee, even with that piece of crap quarterback Florida has, you obviously know way more than I do. So I, I will defer to you on it. But my gut says if Justin Worley, the Tennessee quarterback, plays the whole game and don't get knocked out like he did in Athens, is that in Tennessee being at home, uh, my gut feeling is that Tennessee wins the game for those two reasons. But, hey, like I said, I'll give you credit. You know, you called the upset the first Thursday of the week. So I'm well, certainly willing to listen to what you got to say. Well, i tell you what. Let's go to Mississippi State and, and uh, Texas A&M. That's not a good matchup for, for Mississippi State. I'm sorry. It's not a good matchup for them. Mississippi, I mean, uh, Texas A&M will roll into Mississippi State or and, and, and beat that team. They'll beat them by two touchdowns or more. 
I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Texas, uh, everybody's giving all the credit to Mississippi State, and they are a decent ball ball club, and, and, and Prescott is a good quarterback. But I'm telling you, they do not match up well with, with Texas A&M. Texas A&M will take them to the woodshed this weekend. You wait and see. And on, on as far as Auburn and, and LSU, ooh, that game really I, – I'm up in the air on that game right there. I tell you, Harris, I think, is an upcoming star for LSU. And if he can handle the pressure, you know, at Auburn, you know, that will be a very close game. But I'm probably going to have to edge out Auburn. But that game could go either way. Um, you know, and as far as Alabama and, and, and Ole Miss – you know, I, I agree. Ole Miss does have a good defense. I have not seen them play anybody that has exposed that defense this year already, but I think they will get exposed this year. You know, especially with Alabama's defense having the depth that Alabama's defense have. Everybody mentions how good Ole Miss defense is. Yeah, they're good for that first group. But you've got to have in the SEC this this day and time. You've got to have more than just a first group. You got to have a second group that can come in there and, and fill in. It, it, it that has no drop off, and, and I don't see that with Ole Miss. I don't see them having that depth on that on that second line coming in and being able to rotate. But I think Alabama pulls away on Ole Miss in the fourth quarter. You know, I'm looking at more like uh, uh, maybe 31-17. You know, Ole Miss, if, if they score 17 points, that's just my opinion. I got to tell you, Marty, you, uh, <laughs> you brought it this week, son. It's, all, it's almost like I'm back in my childhood listening to Leonard's Losers. You, you really <laughs> you brought it, man. I, I Hats off. That was, you need to call every week and break down four games like that from SEC. That, that was really good, Marty. I'm serious. I appreciate it. Well, well, how brutal is this West? I mean, this is unbelievable. Oh, Arkansas oh. improving every week, and I, I, I tell you the truth: by the time we play Arkansas, man, that's going to be a tough game. You know, it, it's it, this. There's there's no off game anymore in the West. Period. Yeah, you know, I agree, Marty. And the thing, the, my only thoughts though with A and M and and uh, Texas A and M and Mississippi State is that. A&M is going to be kind of beat up from the Arkansas game, and I think Mississippi State can stay in it. If uh, if if I think if Dak Prescott can make some big plays early, now I do think that Mississippi State's defense can be had, especially through the air. But I think if Dak can uh, make some plays early, I think Mississippi State can get the game in the fourth quarter and have a chance to win it. Well, it's possible it could go that way. That's just my feeling, though. I just don't think they match up good with A&M. I mean, I think they're just overexposed, and, and they're not, they've are not they not been there before, and they're just not ready for that. And I just, I just think Texas A&M comes in there and just shocks them. And I know you said, and uh, and I know you like Florida over Tennessee. Uh, I, I tend to agree with that. I'm not sold on Tennessee yet. I think they're improved. But I still think most champion those guys are fighting for their lives. I expect Driscoll to play better. I do think Florida. I don't think they're a great football team, but I think they're a better football team than Tim Brando is basically uh, giving them. I actually feel really good. I always like it when Brando basically says Alabama's going to lose. His track record is not worth a crap, to be honest. That's true. Well, guys, I tell you, great show tonight, and I appreciate y'all putting on the show. You know, it's been an off week. Could have been very easy to just take a week off. You know, I appreciate y'all coming on and 
you know, having the show tonight, and you know, it means a lot to us out there listening to to the show, and uh, you know, just a you know, great lineup tonight. And I appreciate what y'all do. And I'm gonna get off here and listen to y'all's closing statements, man. Appreciate it, Marty. Thanks for calling this week, man. Awesome All right, thank call. you. Probably Marty's best call ever. He broke those games down like a pro. That was a. I'm serious, Drew. It was like I was a kid again listening to Lenners Losers. Yep, absolutely. I listen to him the same. I always wait. Get me out of here, perfect. <laughs> so Thomas is like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> anyway, uh, there, yes. there used to be a radio show called Lenners Losers where a guy would come on every week and he would pick the losers. The losers. Game. Like, you know, and he'd have all these funny terms like, Alabama would be the pachyderms from Tuscaloosa coming marching to the plains, and there's loser and a close one, Auburn. But anyway, it was a show that people listened to, probably about a half hour every Saturday morning. It was uh, it was on all over the southeast. It was just uh, it was fun. It was nostalgic. Uh, listening to Marty break those games down made me kind of sick of that. Uh, I'm not sure why either of y'all thinks that Florida's going to beat Tennessee in Knoxville with uh, that quarterback. But I'm not saying it's impossible, but their ceiling is 6-5. and five. I mean, J- Justin Worley did surprise me last week. He played very, very well. He kept Florida, I mean uh, Tennessee in the game with Georgia. If he played the whole game, they might have won. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 made some, he made some throws that I didn't think he could make. And then Jalen Hurd ran the ball better against Georgia than I thought he would. But I'll say this. Pruitt hadn't worked his magic in Athens, and that's all I'm going to say. He hasn't yet, uh, at least not on the field. But uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, he, no, he hasn't. Uh, but, I mean, this Florida team, they, they, they're, they're a train wreck. They're, they're almost 2,000 Alabama. Well, if, they, if it's that bad, if they, if they lay an egg, carry, he, I agree with something I heard on Fine Bomb this afternoon, another well-known show. He's done. If they lose to Tennessee, he's he's done. But and the reason is they're not going to beat uh, Georgia. There's no scenario. Uh, they're not going to beat Florida State. There's no scenario. This is probably the game they have to win to even go to a crap bowl. You know, to go to the Weed Whacker or the Music City or where any of those. You know, the Memphis the Liberty. You know, to go to one of those kind of bowls, they probably have to win this week. Otherwise, they're probably looking at five and six. They they really, I mean, besides Vandy, who do they? And I think there's one more guinea on the schedule, but yeah. I, they, I mean, their ceiling is six and five. I'm telling you. Well, we'll know after this week if they can't pick themselves up and play better after the off week against Tennessee. Then they're the South Carolinas. That's going to be a they're going they're, they're going to be all underdogs against that. South Carolina will destroy them. I mean, if it, if it happens. Here's how they'll win probably. one of those. Two. The way they can win. Now, I'll admit, they could go into Knoxville and Tennessee could lay an egg, and that's what it would take to lose to this Florida team. But Florida, they could win in Knoxville. They could. But if they beat either Georgia or Florida State or South Carolina, that means that that day Driscoll became Garcia. Yeah, for a, for a game, yeah. For one game. That's all I'm going to see ahead in five years. One game. Yeah, and that's only... Alabama and Columbia. That's the only small chance that I think Ole Miss has against Alabama. And I'm not trying to say... If Ole Miss Garcia get the says they have a chance, you're exactly right. I thought I mean, that in my mind, you know, three or four days ago, and I'm glad you brought it up. If Bo yeah. Wallace Garcia is us, they definitely have a chance. You're right, Drew. 
yeah, I mean, but if Alabama can force him into his usual mistakes, then I think Alabama's going to pull away. But that's the only way that I think Ole Miss has a chance in the end of the fourth quarter. If Alabama's sloppy with the ball and if Bo Wallace has the game of his life. I, I just I, – I don't I don't know what Thomas' thoughts are, but I just am really not impressed well, with Ole Miss offensively. Thomas made a good point well. about Florida's schedule, Drew. We didn't even mention them having to play LSU and Missouri. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, let's, 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 let's look at Florida's schedule. Tennessee, let's say yeah. they win. Fine. Uh, LSU, don't think so. Missouri, on the road, don't think so. Athens on the road, don't think so. Vandy, yeah, they'll win that one. Carolina on the road, don't think so. Eastern Kentucky, W. Florida State, loss. I mean, they're not going to no bowl, Drew. Even if they win this week, they're probably not going to a bowl. It's going to be tough. I don't <laughs> think there's any doubt. Their schedule <laughs> is difficult. <laughs> oh, man. They'll have uh, Missouri, South Carolina, and LSU at home uh, in Gainesville. So, you know what? They Out of that three, they might be able to beat LSU in Gainesville. Maybe. If LSU's freshman quarterback plays bad on the road and, and, right. and, and plays at least up to a B level, they, they might be able so – I think they got to beat LSU at home and Tennessee this week. To and if Les Miles is flirting with Michigan. <laughs> uh, you know, Harbaugh's denying interest in the Michigan job, but let's see what happens when all the games are over. Well, I'll say this, guys. I'm sitting here watching this on TV just a little bit. I hope that uh, – the Alabama Ole Miss game goes about like the San Francisco at Pittsburgh game is going. When everybody four nothing it, last I saw, what is it now? Eight nothing. Eight. Nothing. Everybody said that Pittsburgh. Did you see the video of the old woman in Pirates gear that wandered into the uh, Giants dugout about an hour ago? I did not. They're not even sure how she got in there. It's like, what are you doing out there? Well, I'll say this: that I'm hoping that we'll see a lot of the same stunned looks on the faces of the Rebel fans that are on the faces of the Pittsburgh fans because they were. Everybody thought home field would be the difference, and right now it's they're getting brained. I'm glad to see that. I like the Giants fairly well. Don't love them, but you know, I was disappointed with the game last night because of the fact that Oakland has an A and an elephant on their uniform, and Charlie <laughs> Finley, Charlie Finley, their late owner, was good friends with Coach Bryant, and I was disappointed how that game ended last night. I give all the respect to Kansas City for pulling it out, but I was kind of hoping Oakland could advance, you know, money ball and all that, but well, you know. A lot of Braves ties to Kansas City. Yeah, well, hopefully Dayton Moore will join the Braves as the new uh, general manager. I know this is a I small would, chance, but I would always hope, that. right? I'd love to oh, see that. Yeah, the Braves were a big disappointment this year. I know this Alabama show, but the Braves, in my opinion, won 79 games with 89 to 90 win talent. And both the wild card teams in the National League had 88 wins. So I think it's fair to see that. They overachieved, underachieved rather. They, the Braves underachieved this year. I don't think there's any other way to spend that. But oh yes, they've been a good way to uh, bridge the gap from A Day to opening weekend for Alabama. For me for many years. So I never, you know, I, I've, I've been a Braves fan too long, probably since the early '70s, <laughs> to just dump them. But boy, were they disappointing this year. Oh, they yeah. were they were 2010 Alabama disappointing this year. Even more so, really. I mean, when you live finish with a losing record, I mean, uh, yeah. the Mets finished above them. I know. Yeah. Well, Ridiculous. They, they technically were tied with the same record, but I think the Mets won the head-to-head, and that's how they – but you're right. Uh, anyway, enough, enough Braves talk. But I will say this about the Braves. They're uh, 
closer, Craig Kimball, as you know, Drew, is one of the bigger Alabama fans in the free world. Oh, yes. And uh, with the tide. He would have pitched in Tuscaloosa if the Braves hadn't made an offer he couldn't refuse. But and he attended the uh, 09 uh, in January of 2010 National Championship game uh, out in California when Alabama beat Texas. Uh, Craig was spotted in the stands, full Alabama gear. So uh, he's, he's remained loyal to his tide. God love him. Well, uh, and, and, Kerry, I know you've probably seen the driven Craig Kimbrell that was shot in Huntsville. I did. Yeah, you did notice what he was wearing, right? Uh, he, got, he had on some Bama stuff at times, yeah. Yeah, he had a Bama jacket. So Yes, he did. He's a, he's a Bama guy. He, he If, you know, Wall State, he would have come to Bama. He signed with Alabama after he blossomed there. And he's had a great career. I think he's the best closer in baseball. Uh, it's just too bad this year. Uh, he had another spectacular year, but – it was basically all for naught. But I do oh, think he, uh, he was not the problem this year. No, I thought there, there was a there was a lot that hitting was the biggest problem. But then there was also a lot of injuries to the to his setup guys, and they had to basically piece it together. But uh, I still think by next year they've got a chance to have a good staff. I hope in free agency they go after a quality starting pitcher. That'd be nice. But anyway, uh, we'll. Uh, continue to spend about one minute a year talking about the Braves, and that was it for this year. <laughs> That's uh, it. We are Braves fans. We don't deny that. Uh, but it's a different script day, and it's a different kind of tradition. Anyway, uh, we are now at uh, the top of the hour. We have given you two hours of uh, unadulterated, uninterrupted Alabama talk, except for about a minute and a half on the Braves. And we thank you for joining us again this week on BAMS Radio. We're going to go ahead and sign off. We thank our guests tonight. Uh, Murph Baldwin of Saturday Down South and Rodney Orr of Tider Insider. And uh, Ford, Rudy Armand of Alabama Intel, Ford Thomas Watts of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. I am Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com. Signing off on yet edition of BAMS Radio on Blog Talk Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Roll Tide, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>